Welcome to Lighthouse Chapel International, Columbus, Ohio. We invite you to discover the life-changing anointed word of God as you listen to this message by Reverend Gilbert Asamoah. Reverend Gilbert Asamoah is a well-seasoned minister who serves as the General Overseer of the Raccoon Diocese in Lighthouse Chapel International, USA. Founded by Bishop Dag Heward Mills with over 1,800 branches worldwide. Join us for a life-changing experience as you listen to this message. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, we want to honor you this afternoon. We ask you, Lord, to touch our lives with a message of the gospel. We ask you to renew our hearts, renew our vision for life. Deliver us from the delusions and the deceptions of this natural life. May our hearts be transformed to become messengers of God, people that carry the good news that will transform the lives of others. Thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. We thank the Lord. Is that not a very marvelous testimony? That's what the church is supposed to be. We come, we are transformed, and God uses us as agents of transformation. Hallelujah. That ought to be everyone's aim. That the light you have discovered, you will bring others to the light. I also want to recognize one of our own who used to be here but went out of state and has now come back. Dr. Mimi, put your hands together for Hallelujah. So we thank God um, that she's here with us. Powerful. Scripture of the week. Romans chapter 8 and verse 6. Romans 8 says, For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Romans 8, 6. So let's go. Romans 8, 6. To be... is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Romans 8 6. Let's try it again. Romans 8 6. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Romans 8 6. Hallelujah. Who understands the scripture? What does it mean to be carnally minded? To think of worldly things, okay? Say Elizabeth. To do things according to our own man and thought, our natural man and thought. Hallelujah. You know, in the seven great principles of the of of our salvation, we learned that you see, after you are born again. Your spirit is born again, is that not so? But your soul, your mind, has to go through a process of transformation. Hallelujah. So unless you deliberately choose to transform your mind according to the word of God, you would still remain like an unbeliever. Hallelujah. And the whole thing is a choice. It's a decision that you make. Just like, just like love is a decision. Love is not a feeling. Amen. Because the feelings come and go, but you choose. This is what I want. This is what I will do. Like the guy, he said that the day 
he, he lost his virginity. He said it was a decision that they met. He and his group of friends decided that, okay, let's give ourselves this. By this weekend, you should lose your virginity. That is, that is a part. He said, it in, he said it in his testimony. Did you not hear it? Yeah. So if people can decide to choose to do that, then you can also flip to the other side. Is that not so? Amen. That you can choose to what? Do something for God. Do something positive for your own life. So to be carnally minded is death. To be spiritually minded is life. Because the, the two are opposites. The Bible says in the book of Galatians, it says that the spirit wars against the flesh. Do you get it? There is a constant war between the spirit and the flesh. So that, so that remember when we were children, you know, there was a, there was a Jehovah Witness uh, picture, or, or maybe not Jehovah Witness, one of those tracks that had a picture on, and, and then in the, in the picture, that there's like a little angel sitting here, and there's a little devil sitting here. Have, do you remember? And, and each of them is trying to tell you what to do. So whoever sways your decision or your mind, then makes you choose a particular path. Hallelujah. And so, to be spiritually minded is life and peace. To be carnally minded is, is what? Death. Now, if you look at it, if you think of death and life as when somebody like, um, is grave dead, like going to be buried, okay, you may, you may say that, well, people are carnally minded and they are still alive. Hallelujah. But when it says to be carnally minded is death and to be spiritually minded is life and peace, it's not just talking about physically dying. It's talking about how a person can be alive, like in terms of the natural bios life. But then spiritually you are dead. Hallelujah. When somebody is dead, one of the things about death is that the person becomes unresponsive. Hallelujah. You can call them, but they, they, they don't answer. They are unresponsive to a call. And then they also become oblivious to what is happening around them. Hallelujah. It's, li it's like when somebody dies, it doesn't matter whether the temperature is 100 degrees or whether it's 50 degrees because they don't feel anything. Hallelujah. So when the scripture says to be carnally minded is death, spiritually speaking, it's talking about how when after we are born again, we don't take steps to grow in Christ. We don't take steps for Christ to be formed in us. Hallelujah. Then it is like you become dead to God or dead to God's world. Have you ever found yourself at a place where they are speaking a language that you don't understand? So that the people could be shouting at the top of their voice. But if you don't know the language, it is, it is you and the deaf person, there is no difference. Because all that the people are saying is deaf to you. Hallelujah. So, so see, in the world of God, God is saying some things and God is doing some things. Hallelujah. But if you are what? Carnally minded. Your senses are not awakened to the reality of God or awakened to what God is doing. Hallelujah. Are you following? But God is inviting us to be what? Spiritually minded because, you see, the, the, to be spiritually minded is life and peace. It's not just eternal life after you die and go, but right here, right here, you are going to need the life of God. You are going to need the input of God. You are going to need God's very life. Jesus said, I give you peace, but not as the world gives. Hallelujah. As believers, you are not exempt from the harshness and the, and the wickedness of this age and, 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 and how things are. But the thing that makes the difference is that when you walk in the life and peace of God, 
Hallelujah. It becomes like an antidote. It becomes like a force that you use to withstand the pressures of life. Are you listening to me, somebody? So you see, when, when you become a Christian, you are invited to join the community of faith. And in this community of faith, there is the process of growth and development. Amen. Amen. Are you listening to me, somebody? So we are going to return to our message. Today is Mission Sunday. And Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ is the greatest missionary. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's go to Luke chapter 10. The story of the Good Samaritan, which we have been discussing for some time now, is Salvation Message number 5, and it's on page 41 of the book, How You Can Preach Salvation. Hallelujah. We're talking about as believers, we ought to be able to preach salvation, but you cannot preach what you have not become. The whole thing about the Christian message is that the messenger, the messenger becomes the message. Hallelujah. Your life must become a message. And so in order for you to be able to convince somebody about salvation, you yourself, you yourself must appreciate what salvation has done for you. Amen. Amen. And so in this series, in this series, we've been trying to understand what the story of the Good Samaritan means. Luke, uh, Luke chapter 10, verse 30. Luke 10, verse 30. That's where the story begins. And in this series, the good Samaritan we understand is the Lord Jesus Christ. Is that not so? And the person who traveled out of Jerusalem to go to Jericho, that is mankind. That is, that is man without God. The story of man without God is the story of pain and misery. Hallelujah. And one of the first points we gather, one of the first points, so who can, who can, the story of the good Samaritan, we learned it when we were little. It's like an old spiritual story that we, we who can give a, a summary of it stand up and tell us the good samaritan who was because when you're telling a story there is the main actors right there is the there is the, the what do you call the protagonist the hero the main person there is the person who the story is about who something happens to right and then there is there there is a villain there's the bloomer amen there's there's people who do bad things Killer, and then and then in a, this is the general story structure, and then there is there is good people who come to alleviate or solve the problem. Is that not what the story is? Yeah. So tell me in this story, somebody sets out from Jerusalem to go where, to Jericho, and then what happened? He was robbed and attacked on the way. Hallelujah! And if you look at the points in this uh, book, the first point Bishop Dark brings out is a. Like the man who journeyed from Jerusalem to Jericho, you are on the journey of life from birth to death. With most journeys, you know the beginning and the end. With the journey of life, we do not know when or how it will end. Hallelujah. So the point is that if you see the man setting out from Jerusalem to go to Jericho, he did not include in his plans how he was going to be attacked or robbed. Hallelujah. Whoever ever thinks that, okay, as I'm, as I'm traveling, let me take, uh, how do you call it, uh, uh, alcohol, let me take some cutting wool in case I am robbed. Nobody, look, let me ask you a question. Last two weeks, there was a, 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 a tragedy that happened in the state of Missouri. I forget the, the city, but in Missouri, where some people had gone on a vacation on a boat. Did you hear that story? Yeah. It is still under investigation. I think up to 11 or 13 people died. 
17 people, but of the 17 people, there was one that there was a there was a family of what? A family of nine. A family of nine. The, the, I think the, the woman survived, but she lost three of her children and then and then six other family members. Amen. They all got drowned. And one of the things that um, the um, what do you call it? The uh, uh, eyewitness testimony, whether either this lady or somebody else who was on the boat, they said that the, the crew, the crew on the boat had told them, don't worry about the life jacket. Do you get it? And I'm not surprised because usually when you are traveling on a plane, you know, before the plane leaves, they will come, somebody will come, they'll be doing this, they'll be doing this, right? <laughs> and, the, 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 and, the, and then they'll be telling you, in case of emergency, you know, the, what do you call it? Oxygen mask is there. How many of you have actually paid attention that, that where the oxygen mask is? And that in case of emergency, they say put it on yourself first before you help somebody. In fact, if they were, if they were to do a test, after that, where, what did the person say? Most people, people are reading their newspapers. People are trying to finish up on their makeup. People are looking at their iPad. People are doing all kinds of things. People don't pay attention. Because nobody sets out in life expecting a tragedy like that to happen. Hallelujah. Are you listening to me? But that is the journey of life. There are a lot of surprises. There's a lot of things. Because you see, Paul wrote in one of the verses, he says that not all people have faith. Not all people are of good intention. There, are, there is evil. The reality of this life is that there is evil in this world. Amen. There is evil. In fact, when you go all the way back to Genesis, you see that there is a clue. In Genesis 1, when the Lord told Adam and Eve that, he said, he said that be fruitful and multiply and take dominion. Take dominion of things. When he gave them that, it was, it was both a charge as well as, as a warning. Why did he say take dominion? When you've been asked to take dominion and take charge, it means that there's the potential that something will go out of work. Is that not so? Yeah, it was like a warning about the snake, which was coded that take dominion. That when somebody comes and he's telling you another story, be careful about what they say and the promises that they are making. Life is full of all such surprises. Hallelujah. And this man who sat on that journey is you and I. In this journey of life, we are all positive-minded. The world talks about be positive, be positive-minded. Amen. But being positive-minded is not enough. You need the intervention of God. Look, one day I traveled from New Jersey to Brooklyn to go and see my then beloved Mavis. Amen. And, you know, if you've driven in New York before, it's very crazy out there. <laughs> Amen. And I had to go and buy gas. So after I, I pulled from the gas station, okay, I was about to join the flow of traffic. And it took a while. You would think that somebody would stop for you. People are minding their own business and people are thinking about themselves. Nobody. So after a while, it was taken, and you see, if you are not an experienced driver too, you know, you want a very wide gap to exist before you can join the flow of traffic. Those who are experienced, you can gauge and you can. So I was not an experienced driver, so I was waiting for a wide gap, and it was taken for a while. So at that point, there was a little bit of a traffic jam, and there was a big truck who had pulled up right in front of the gas station. And, and I looked at the, the driver to have eye contact. Do you get it? To make sure that he can say it's okay for me to go. And I thought I saw, he said, yeah. <laughs> the moment I moved, it is as if, as if it was like a plot. Like, I just tricked you to crash you. You get it? The moment I tried to move forward, this big, huge truck was also coming at me. Then I realized I had made a mistake. At that moment, positive thinking was not going to help you. That I am positively thinking that nothing bad will happen. 
Because there is evil in the world. There are evil people in the world. Hallelujah. I had to quickly reverse and then waited. Now you can imagine how long it took for me to join before I joined. Because this time I will wait till there's the red light on the other end which blocks everyone. Because life is full of all such things that you don't expect. In fact, people that you expect will be good actually will do you evil. Hallelujah. And this is what happened to the man on the journey. And so one of the things that we learned is that like the man who journeyed from Jerusalem to Jericho, you are what? On the journey of Lapon number two and will experience various problems on that journey. You will experience various problems on that journey. Hallelujah. And the verse that was given that Job, it says that man that is born of a woman is of few days and full of trouble. He cometh forth like a flower and is cut down. He fleeth also as a shadow and continueth not. Hallelujah. Number three, like the man who journeyed from Jerusalem to Jericho, you are on the journey of life and you will need the help of God in this life. Hallelujah. You will need the intervention of God. All right. Last we read John 15, 5. Today let's read Psalms 121, verse 1 and 2. We are talking about the fact that in us, in the same way that the good Samaritan was left, if you remember the story, there were people who could potentially help him. The priest, the Levi, they passed by him. But the good Samaritan came and then he responded to the man. Hallelujah. Are you listening to me, somebody? And so let, uh, let's go to Psalm 121 and verse 1 and 2. You are going to need God's divine intervention. You are going to need God's help. There are people who, if everything works perfectly, and you think that by your own ability and might, because even making of money, Deuteronomy 8.18, it says it is God who gives you power to make wealth. Hallelujah. Now the world has taken a direction of a Godless direction, whereby we emphasize on the fact that I am my own man, and I can do my own thing, and I achieve my own thing, and I don't need the intervention of God. Hallelujah. But the reality is that no matter who you are, you will need God one day. Amen. 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 Because things come at you that you did not expect. Okay, Psalm 121 verse 1. I will lift up my eyes unto the hills. From whence cometh my help? Verse 2. My help cometh from the Lord which made heaven and earth. My help cometh from the Lord which made heaven and earth. Why is the importance of adding the Lord which made heaven and earth? He has control over everything. If the, Lord, if the Lord who made heaven and earth is your helper, the ultimate, because think about the heavens. When they say the heavens, there is the physical heavens in terms of the planetary bodies and the stars. Is that not so? Think about the gravity, you know, the, the pool, the thing that keeps, that keeps the planets from not clashing into it, each other. Sometimes, from, from time to time, you hear of a steroid, uh, what do you call it? Asteroid. It's, uh, NASA will say this asteroid came this close to Earth. Hallelujah. But thank God so far we have not been hit. Hallelujah. What is the type of math that is holding the whole universe together? That is holding the Earth together. If the Earth was to move five inches away from the sun, the normal is normal orbit. We would, if it moves towards the sun, we would, we would all burn. Or if it moves away, we would all freeze. Well, who is it and what is it? So if the people in the world who are of the natural mindset, naturally thinking and kindly minded, 
if they are thinking that there's nothing else, we are just here on our own. We just, it's like, help yourself, help me, I'll help you. There's nothing out there. You see how miserable human beings are. That with all our technology, there are a lot of things we don't have control over. Hallelujah. And so, the picture we are getting in this story is that, in as much as we may think we are anything, we are nothing except by the help of God. So then, I will lift up my eyes unto the hills. I will lift up my heart unto the hills. From whence my help cometh. My help cometh from the Lord. Hallelujah. Point number four. Like the man who journeyed from Jerusalem to Jericho, you are on the journey of life that has many troubles. God knows your troubles and has sent help in the form of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. You see, the ultimate purpose of God, the ultimate purpose of God is to enter into our life and intervene and block the agenda of the enemy of God. The enemy of your soul and the enemy of my soul is Satan. Hallelujah. And so, the Satan knows when he lost his place, because we know from the scriptures, right, that Satan had a special place before God. He was one of the main worshiping angels that ushered people into the presence of God. He was in a privileged position. Hallelujah. To be in a privileged position, like um, you go to you go to some places that they have reserved seats for some people. Amen. Is that a privileged position? Yeah. Like Bishop Dark, for instance, he says that, look, in a church where I am preaching, you cannot sit in the front and be sleepy. Because as I'm preaching and you are sleepy, it ministers to me that what I'm saying is not important. You are bored. Or you would rather be somewhere else. Do you get it? So if you are going to be sitting in the front in which of that meeting, you should be alert, awake, and not be sleepy. Because, wh- wh- why? Because the first row is a privileged position. So also, you should not be chewing gum. Amen. Amen. Are you listening to me? Yeah. A privileged position, because at the end of the day, Bishop said he went to a place. He was, he, Bishop was invited to a church to go and preach. And then he said, as soon as the host minister, it was not a lighthouse church, another big church, as soon as the host minister introduced Bishop, right? And then he sat down, he came to sit in the front. And then he said, he saw him adjust the chair this way and adjust himself this way. And then another thing was snoring. (laughs) The host minister who invited Bishop Doug, he said he snored throughout the whole message. And then when the message was over, he shook his hand and said, well done. I was so blessed. <laughs> I was so blessed by the message. I will invite you another time. So Bishop Dak said, after he had that experience, then he said that when I am preaching in a church, you cannot sit in the first row and sleep unless you are the one who invited me. <laughs> because that was his church. Do you get it? So he has a right to stay in his church and sleep. But you see, in the first row, it's a privileged position. Hallelujah. Are you listening to me? Lucifer was in a privileged position because, you see, he was close to God. When somebody is a very important person, people who are close to the person are privileged. You get to know and see things others don't see. And when Lucifer, in in the book of Isaiah and Ezekiel, we are given a picture of how pride entered him. He began to say that, I would like to be God. I would like to sit on the throne of the mountain on the, on the highest. Hallelujah. That is when he was kicked out. 
Are you getting the picture? We are rehearsing our salvation. You see, there's a reason why when somebody hates somebody, usually there's a reason. Right? When there's a murder committed, one of the first things the investigators begin to look for is what? Motive. They, they want to see why this person killed that person. So if Satan hates us, why does he hate us so much? I'm telling you why. Because he was in a privileged position with God and around God. And he was kicked out for his pride. Hallelujah. So when he was kicked out for his pride, and later he discovered that God loves mankind. And God wants the best for mankind. And God wants to bring us close to him. He said, if I don't have it, if I can have it, you can have it either. That is the thinking of Lucifer. That is why he hates us so much. Amen. And so he would do everything to severe your relationship with God. He would do everything to cast you away from God because he knows that the very person who can help you is God. If he can cut you off from God, then the blessing God, because you see, Satan has been in heaven before. Do you get it? Satan has been in heaven and he has been in the glory. He knows, he knows how it is. He knows how it is to be in the presence of God. Now, when you and I allow Satan and his tricks to get us, he goes on his way rejoicing. And, and then he's laughing at us because he said, these people don't know what they are going to miss. Hallelujah. Are you listening to me, somebody? And so, point number five, like the man who journeyed from Jerusalem to Jericho, you are on a journey of life on which you will need help from others. The help you need may not come in the way you expect it. All right. So last week we read the story of Naaman the Syrian and how God decided to help him by asking him to go and what? Be in the river. Hallelujah. He was to, supposed to go into the Jordan seven times and he was angry. Why was he angry? Because the solution God prescribed is not what he expected. Hallelujah. Now, you see, the solution of coming to God and say a prayer, I've given my life to Christ, and finding yourself in an inn, that solution may, seem, may not seem big to you. The people of God, the church of God, may not be glamorous. Because, you see, there are some churches when you enter. Once you enter, you now you know I've entered a church. Amen. Because they have invested a lot in technology. They have invested a lot even in what? Colors and pictures and lightning. Are you there? And so, you see, if you are the type that is attracted by external things, and I'm not saying anything against those things. Those things have a, a purpose they play. Yeah. But then, you see, we need to go to the core of what the church and the gospel is about. It's about the saving of our soul through the blood of Christ. That is the core. Now, in addition to that, you can have all these other things. But if you, if you are the type who are lured by external things, such a person can easily be lured to follow somebody, go and marry somebody because of mountains and caves. Do you know what is called mountains and caves? Mountains and caves. The person that you are, you are following is because of what? Mountains and caves in their body. That is what you are after. It's if you are looking at external things without looking at the quality of the inner person. Amen. I was working with a friend of mine. It's like every time he sees a woman of a certain... Uh, uh, <laughs> A certain gift, a woman of a certain gift, a certain, <laughs> I mean, body. In public, he will go, Shiza! <laughs> or other, ta- other times, you go, ah, yeah, 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 yeah. So, kinetic energy. Thank you very much. You see, such people are moved. These are the things that moves them. These are the things that move them. Do you get it? 
So when you come to a church and you have certain expectations, you have certain things that you have, you think they don't have, they don't have, they don't have, they don't have, they don't. Look, this brother who later became a pastor and what? Is now pastoring a 400-member church. When he attended church, he said there was nobody in the church. He was the one they were preaching to. He had the keyboards. He had two people leading praise and worship. And what else? The projector guy. And then he looked to his left and he looked to his right. He said, is this a church? Is this a church? Because he found out that he was the audience. You see, the scripture says, Jonathan told his servant, let us go, let us go and fight the Philistines. Because God is able to save with little and also with much. Sometimes it's not much, but God can save with little. Hallelujah. And so God's prescriptions sometimes are too simple. It's like go and wash seven times in the river Jordan. What are you talking about? There are rivers in my, in my country. But God's prescription may not be what you think. Hallelujah. And don't poo-poo on it. Don't belittle it. Don't belittle the church. Don't belittle the preaching of the word of God. This whole world is going insane because people have neglected the word of God. And I'm here to tell you that, look, people are saying Christians are a nuisance. Wait till God takes us out of this life, this world. The world will be full of chaos without Christianity. The conscience, the conscience of people. Look, a lot of congressmen are believers. So sometimes some of the things they are fighting is because they are believers in their hearts. Hallelujah. What's this man's name? Um, the one who was known for stopping slavery in England, in UK. Wilberforce. Wilberforce wanted to be a preacher. And his friend Newton told him, you know what? The gift you have is the gift of government. His friend was Wesley. Do you get it? And Wesley was a preacher. But John Newton encouraged him, like, if you need to be in government and be a light in the government, be there. Because what you are carrying in your heart can also affect the course of history. And years later, he was able to fight the British Parliament and continue to rally until they abolished slavery. Hallelujah. Amen. What am I saying? What I'm saying is that it is Christ and his word and his salvation message, which is the light of the world. Without the light of the world, the world is full of darkness. And so don't belittle it. Don't put on it. Don't, don't make it seem unimportant. Hallelujah. Amen. To have a fellowship of believers that you gather around and you hear the word of God being preached to is very, very important. Because you see, darkness comes. But when darkness comes and the, you look to your left and you look to your right, the only thing that makes you remain sane is because of hope in the, in the resurrection. Because of hope in Christ. Put your hands together unto the Lord. So now, as we close this series, Paul number six talks about how the good Samaritan, when he arrived, what did he do? The scripture said he poured what? Oil and wine into the man's wounds. Hallelujah. And we mentioned that the wine represents what? Something to keep the wounds from being infected. Do you get it? It's like, it is it's what is what? Antiseptic. Hallelujah. So, so, and the wine in scripture symbolism also represents the blood of Christ. The blood of Christ is our antidote against sin, taking its full hold on us. And so when he poured the wine, it is like a, 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 a shadow or a metaphor of the fact that the reason why we don't stink, the reason why infections don't consume us is because of the blood of Christ. When the good Samaritans input into the man's life is that the blood of Christ. We need to wash in the blood of Christ frequently and every day. Hallelujah. Amen. Are you listening to me, somebody? And then he also did what? Poured oil. And the oil is symbolic of what? The Holy Spirit. Amen. 
what is the role of the Holy Spirit? Well, the Holy Spirit starts us with convicting us of sin. So you become a believer first by the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Because you got to know at some point that you need that Christ. But then beyond that, beyond the initial conviction of sin and becoming born again, the Holy Spirit becomes your helper in this journey of life. Because he comes alongside to comfort you. Amen. Amen. Everybody comes to a place, no matter how spiritual you are. Because the whole thing, we are in a war zone. And Satan and his cohorts, their main purpose is to remove the garment of praise from under your feet. Remove you from the solid ground that you are, sta- you are standing. And remove any glitter of hope you may have. So that you can look at this whole life as full of darkness and there is no help. That's why people commit suicide. What do you think people commit suicide? People who look very successful, why do they commit suicide? Because they come to a place of no hope. Amen. In the Julius Caesar uh, play by um, Shakespeare, there comes a moment that Cassius and, and Brutus, who murdered Caesar, who, who assassinated Caesar, in the, in the civil war that ensued after, the, after Caesar was killed, somebody was sent to go and look. Somebody was sent to go and look and come and tell them how is the war going. When the person came, he was standing on a little hill, and I forgot his name. He started shouting to, uh, uh, I don't know which one committed suicide, maybe Cassius. Say, oh, we are losing the world. The way things are looking is looking really bad. That is the message of the world. The message of the world, if you keep listening to the news, you can only hear bad news. The message of the world is to paint such a, a gloomy picture for you. So the guy shouted that we are losing this war. And then the, the, um, the guy took his sword. He called his servant. Now I'm going to fall on it. I'm going to die because, because there's no hope. But when Brutus came and he saw that Cassius had died, the truth, the real truth was that they were winning the war. But somebody has given false information. Somebody has, from where they were standing. Oh, Padarus. Padarus is the one who gave that report. And then when Brutus came, Cassius had died. And he made a statement. He said, mistrust of good success has done this deed. Mistrust of good is like loss of hope that things will get better. It's why this has happened. Hallelujah. Now, when Christ comes with his light, and as the interventionist, as the good Samaritan who meets the man dead on the road, he comes as someone who brings light in our darkness. So that after we are saved, our journey in this life is not going to work well until what? We bring ourselves fully under the umbrella of Christ and his church. So once again, do not poo-poo on the church. Do not, do, do not belittle the influence of the body of Christ in our lives. Amen. Because he placed the man in where? In an inn. And he said, be here. I'm going to come back two days' time. Submit to the innkeeper. When it's time to eat, eat. Have you been in, admitted in a hospital before? Yeah. The food there, do you enjoy the food? No. But if you won't eat it, <laughs> you will starve. Yeah. That's all that they have for you. Do you get it? Medicine, how many enjoy taking medicine? The word of God is like medicine to you. Until the, in, until the good Samaritan comes, stay in the inn. Amen. No matter what is happening, stay in the inn. No matter what is happening, stay in the church. Amen. Because you see, it's a zoo out there. As, as uh, what do you call it? Imperfect as we are, what is the alternative? What other institution in the world has been given this assignment of preaching hope 
and preaching the goodness or the forgiveness of God. Which is other institution has been given the assignment of preaching peace and reconciliation and being able to Look, when you go to some of these reconciliation missions of the United Nations, a lot of times they involve the chaplaincy of the, of the country. Because, you see, it's only in Christ can you have a, place, a person like Paul who actually chased Christians and killed them. That same, same person has been called now to champion the same message he opposed. It's like somebody who used to be an armed robber in town has been made the head of the police department. This is the grace you and I have been given. Put your hands together unto the Lord. And stand up to your feet. If you are here, you are not born again. I'm inviting you. I'm inviting you to commit your life to Christ. I'm inviting you to commit your life to Christ. To, to have this decision in your heart. That I will walk with God. Thank you, our Savior and our King. With every eye closed and every head bowed. I want you to talk to God. Ask him for his help. That you would embrace the gospel of salvation for your life and to be one that preaches to others. Thank you, Jesus. If you are that person, lift up your hand. You are never born again. You are never, there's never been a time you were born again. Lift up your hand. We love you, Jesus. We appreciate you. Now pray after me. Thank you, my Savior. Thank you, my Lord. I believe Christ died for me according to the scriptures. I believe he was raised again from the dead for my justification according to the scriptures. Now give me your anointing, the oil of the Holy Spirit. Let the blood be on me always. Cleanse me from my sins. Make me a messenger of God in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen.